Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with lots in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious this week. In the red corner, part man, part machine, all cop. Yeah, we're heading back to 1987 as Paul Verhoeven gives us a slice of classic sci-fi and delivers images that will still haunt the recesses of the minds of those who saw it a bit too young. Two words, toxic waste. It is, of course, Robocop. While in the blue corner, more Verhoeven, more gore, more satire? Question mark? A ruthlessly funny and keenly self-aware send-up of right-wing militarism or a fascistic, brainless bugs-and-bullets fable? We get to the bottom of 1997's misunderstood Starship Troopers. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... Robocop. In every age, there is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Hey, kid, what's going on? War! We're going to war! So it's a violent Verhoeven double bill this week, but which film is better? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. This is Clash of the Titles. You give us three minutes, and we'll give you the world. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. So welcome then to this exciting week as we pit Robocop against Starship Troopers. It's freaking exciting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. If you're new to this show, where have you been, first of all? And secondly, this is how it works. We're going to do Robocop today and Starship Troopers on Thursday, at which point we will declare definitively which is the better film. So the clue V gave on last week's show was a good one. Thank you. Uh, these films are Paul about authority. Yeah. So a lot of people... Right, guesses. No, well... <laughs> Said you, my clue was brilliant. Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, did they really? N- neither of those things happened. <laughs> no, a lot of people <laughs> guessed a different film. What? <laughs> Paul Bart, Oh, more yeah. Cop. Not, more, not even more cop. Can you try saying it again? Paul Bart, more mock. It's Paul, Paul Blart. Blart. Paul Blart. Yeah, fair enough. People suggest... 
Paul Blart mall cop Versus. a lot. And I'm not sure, observe and report, and I'm not sure if it's because a lot of people want us to do Paul Blart or they just notice that it connects with another film quite specifically. Mm. Could be either, couldn't it? It could be either. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a poll. Maybe. Oh, love a poll. <laughs> love a poll. As uh, <laughs> Sorry, just still haven't got over last week. Uh, has Mannequin versus Ryan Gosling gone over? <laughs> no, because I'm scared to do it. Bless you. <laughs> yeah, you you're right to be scared. Uh, the clue that Chris followed that up with on Twitter was... Well, I wanted to do one in the pub. I had one in the pub. Oh, we right. didn't do it. You were going to say, Alex, I was going to get you to say to me, what's cooking next week? Mm. And I was going to say, I don't know. I'll just have to look in the the oven. <laughs> <laughs> would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's so tricky. Yeah. If it, I'd have said that, you would have rinsed me. Imagine that after three pints, oh, though. Sure. You would have fallen off your chair. I would. We don't, we don't often use mime as well, and there would have been serious mime in there. Exactly. <laughs> it's on video. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, uh, so instead, I said fascism is fun. Which mm. is <laughs> still good. Uh, so... Your guesses complied. On our Twitter account, we're at Clashboard, also on Instagram and TikTok, at Clashboard. And if you're in the business for a little extra Clash of the Visual variety, do subscribe to our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. So guess-wise, uh, well done to Gary Dunn and Smash Mind and Body. Yeah! Uh, but they didn't win. Congratulations to our winner. Cleaning up the streets of Twitter, he's bounced back with a vengeance after two new champions over the last two weeks. It's our old friend... Ian Robson. Well done, Ian. Your prize is a box set of the Bixby Snyder game show, It's Not My Problem, because <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> You're just like that guy as well. <laughs> he is weirdly the worst part of yes. an already disturbing movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, connection section. Paul Verhoeven. Done it. Well, yeah, a lot. Everyone behind the scenes is the same, pretty much. Almost, yeah. Uh, news, adverts. Fake adverts. Fake. Robot people, transhumanism, fascism. A character saying, do you want to live forever? In a sort of mocking way, as in, you don't want to live forever, do you? Mm. Uh, overconfident protagonists who pay the price, I'd argue, most of the troops uh, of the mobile infantry and starship troopers, and indeed Murphy. What is he doing? Don't go into that warehouse. Not like that. Not like that. Not with her. Wait for backup. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, oh, She Lewis. just becomes useless. <laughs> when you first meet, she's like, wow, she can do, oh, she can't do anything. Don't do my change. <laughs> Don't do my change. Uh, so, unisex changing rooms. That is mm. incredible, yeah. Love that. Um, our hero showing children their weapons. Yeah. <laughs> is it the same scene in both films? Yeah, so Heinrich, Heinrich Himmler. Really? Uh, yeah, Clarence Bodica's glasses uh, were oh, nice. given to him to make him... By Himmler? Look, oh. yeah, a big, big fan. <laughs> uh, he was meant to look like Heinrich Himmler and Doogie Howser, MD, yeah. a.k.a. Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. uh, was often called Doogie Himmler in his outfit on the set of Starship Troopers. They all should be called that. Hmm. Yep. Uh, producer John Davidson, who's a big part of the behind the scenes of these movies, um, he speaks in both films. He says 20 seconds to comply, Ed 209, in mm. Robocop. He's that voice. And he's the person who says the only good bug is a dead bug in Starship Troopers. Yes. Key lines. Yeah, key lines in both. Uh, I mean, the only one I've got on top of all that is sex equals death, which is sort of normal because it's a Verhoeven movie. When does sex equal death? In which one? Both of them. Robocop. So, well, it, two people who have sex um, immediately die. One's in a deleted scene in Starship Troopers, I'll tell you on Thursday. And obviously, Miguel Ferrer. 
Bob. Oh, right, yes. He's, he's not having sex. He's, not he's, having sex. he's doing cocaine off a woman's breasts. Nothing's yeah. gone in anything. They're fully clothed. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. what, what's the plan then? Just do cocaine, have yes. a chat, yeah. watch a movie? I don't know how you party, my friend, but... It looks like cocaine. That's because it is cocaine. Okay, sure. <laughs> you, you saved the worst connection to last. It seems like deleted scene and something that never happens in Robocop. <laughs> it's, it's implied. What, that he might have sex? That he, he's hired two sex workers. The job definition dictates that he's nah, going one of to... Them, one of them has a brain. They're talking about business. Sometimes mm. people just want to cuddle. Sure, fine. Cross it off the fucking list. <laughs> I, it's not a hill I want to die on. So <laughs> screw it. Absolutely screw it. Uh, I thought you were going to say sex equals death because that's what you think. Because that is what you think. So that's fine. But that I th- but we'll get into it. But oh, that's geez. I think that's come from watching this. RoboCop too young. Oh, right. God. And that's, yeah. that was your takeaway. <laughs> My takeaway was sex equals death. Right. Okay. And I, I honestly think it's fucked me up. I think it might. Have. I think honestly, I, I, you seem very confused as what's happened in that scene. <laughs> I. <laughs> What? Do, okay, let's let's just, let's just spitball. What do you think the rest of his evening is going to contain? I don't know. It doesn't happen. Therefore, <laughs> sex doesn't equal death. <laughs> if he shags one of them, or f- both, fine, or both. Yeah, Tawny is one of their names. <laughs> just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> Come on, let's get into this. Right. Oh, <laughs> on Thursday, it, it, it does mean he's going to have sex. On Thursday, I'll be heading to an ugly planet. A bug planet in Starship Troopers, which means today he's part man, part podcast, all Chris Tilly. Chris takes on a journey. Alex Murphy dies by machine gun crucifixion as a sacrifice to achieve atonement for our sins. Sins like bitches leave. (laughs) (laughs) He's then resurrected as Robocop. But in a twist to that story, the person doing the resurrection is Satan. Robocop performs a series of miracles like shooting a punk through a dress in the balls and walking on water. Then Robocop finally ascends into heaven, or as Alex Zane would call it, Robocop 2. <laughs> Presenting right. for your podcasting pleasure, so Robo good. Jesus. It's so good. So I'm going to start with Alex. When did you first see this? Uh, so I, I think I might have told you off air, uh, or maybe on air, Claxon. Hey! Did you just hear that? This was a mistake. I was introduced to a lot of movies that were beyond my uh, rating. Uh, When I was a kid, my mum played fast and loose with the rating system, and I respect her for that, and it probably gave me my love of movies. This one, however, she doesn't know. I asked her on the phone this morning. I was like, what did you think you were renting? Because she picked up Robocop thinking she'd seen it and that it was going to be acceptable for me, age 10. Can I ask you a private question? Yeah, well, it's not very private. Do you ever ask your mum a question that's not about you? <laughs> Do you ever say to her, mum, what's going on with you? How are you? Be like, mum, hi, Alex, listen. When I was eight, this is about like, her. like 100 years this ago. This is about her. Yeah, it's about her. Really? I asked her what movie and she thought... she's like, fucking hell, I don't seen. know. <laughs> she doesn't know. But she, the one thing she did say was that scene, uh, I can see why that fucked you up, because it means sex equals death. <laughs> So she was very adamant about that. And, and she likes you, Vicky. So do you want to disagree with my mum? No, I do not. I love exactly. your mum. So it definitely means sex equals death. Uh, so, yeah, I watched it and it genuinely screwed me up to the point where I've watched it once in between now. But even with this third time of watching it, I had this real sense of trepidation about what I was going to witness because this is, to me, one of the darkest films we're ever going to cover on this show. Mm. Uh, it's, it's exactly the same only my mum didn't rent it for me but I watched it I was too young so that feeling I have when we did Alien and I was like I can't watch it because I watched it too little got to the chest burster had to turn it off so you don't get any narrative closure terrifying and when we did Terminator and I was like that red dot <laughs> messed me up for years 
Murphy being killed in the warehouse, mm. I was probably about eight or nine. I was like, I can't watch it. And I've never watched it since. Mm. So this is effectively the first time I've ever seen it all the way through. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I feel like I'm the only person of my generation who didn't watch this too young. Right. <laughs> and it's because, but also I had awful visions of it because it was a big discussion in the playground. People's older brothers lending it to them, getting them to watch it. Or I remember mate's older brother actually telling me about The Melting Man mm. and me thinking... I never want to watch that. Sounds terrifying. As you well know, I'm a wimp. Oh. So I didn't see it for years. So how I got to know Robocop was through the video game. Oh, yeah. Oh, Playing yeah. the games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know I, know, I know his prime directives off by heart because they repeat them over and over again while it was loading up. Like, I'm, what am I? I'm eight years old playing this game and you've got to get the accuracy right to shoot a man through a woman's dress yeah, in the balls. So I can't believe that's, that's in the video game, but I remember two it. two hours of being told the prime directive yeah, just, as it loads yes. up. So so that was, and then it was a cartoon, it was a TV show. So I watched this probably when I was about 15 and thought it was very good, but I didn't feel like I had that, that connection to it that maybe other people did yeah. within my generation. And also that poster, that poster is misleading. That poster looks like a riot. It looks like a fun-filled movie with a big Robocop. And you're like, <laughs> great, part man, part machine, all cop. Robocop, he's going to be badass. He's not. It's dark. He's it's sad. fucking fucked up. <laughs> yeah. He has to eat baby food. <laughs> and then my only history since then is I went to Canada to visit the set of the Robocop remake. Oof. Where they did a very good job of convincing me that was going to be a good film. <laughs> Weird how they can do that when you're on set. I'm all yeah. surrounded by Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jackson, this really cool director. Mm. It sounded like it was going to be really deep. And weird it how, wasn't. how receptive you are to that information when you're on the set of their movie. Or and free. how, how yeah. much you nod along and go, yeah, this looks, this looks incredible. Great. Doesn't translate into a good review, though. I can tell you that. Well, good, good for you. Your impartiality. Well no, you have to be. You have to be. All you have is your reputation. So your true. word. Mm. Um, so let's do some behind the scenes and we'll start with ed newmeyer oh yeah oh no i'll talk about that on thursday i have interviewed ed newmeyer but for starship troopers 3 <laughs> not, not to do with robocop Give me starship troopers marauder <laughs> i don't know i never saw it right <laughs> just, wait just spoke to him. you interviewed him without seeing the movie that's not like you i don't think they'd finished it fine yeah this was fine. a comic con you were on set being told it was amazing no i was in a little hotel room with him and casper van dien and he was pretty wired casper van dien he was telling me it was amazing <laughs> a lot okay um, but we'll do that on Thursday. That's the military man here. <laughs> so Ed Neumeyer um, started out his career in Hollywood as a reader and junior executive at Universal. In fact, Lou Wasserman was his boss, famous, famous Hollywood executive, who the old man in Robocop is based on. <laughs> That's worrying. But he said he had fantasies about killing all the people in his boardroom. Right. That makes it into Robocop. Uh, his office was near the Blade Runner set. And he spent his evenings there. He helped make garbage, is how he put it. He would put together trash to, for the background of the scenes on alleyways and stuff. Okay. And it just sort of blew his mind what he was seeing around him, that there was human beings that were supposedly robots, and it just got his mind thinking. R the name Robocop came into his head. What if he'd been a man first? Bang, he's got an idea for a film. Mm. Spent three years writing it, 81 to 84. And then a chap called Michael Miner visited him at his studio office to pitch him a script. Uh, he just directed a music video about robots and his script was called Supercop. Mm. Hold on, this is all coming together. Uh, his, this was about corporate America killing everything, gentrification, privatisation. They just put it all together. I mean, that's a stroke of good fortune, isn't it? That someone who's exactly on the same page as you, almost literally... 
and they worked together. They spent three years developing it. Uh, so which title do we use? Because I'm really <laughs> kind of like Supercop. <laughs> but You're in my office. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, everyone... Yeah. How's your music video going? <laughs> <laughs> in every interview you read, everyone says that Robocop was the worst title they'd ever heard. Uh, but it's just so... It's hard to imagine that now because yeah. it's such an iconic title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they said that every American director turned it down largely because of the title. They didn't want to do a children's film or a film that sounded like a children's film. It's just funny now because it's... Because sort of, well, we watched it because it sounded like a fucking children's <laughs> film. Yeah, let's watch that. Robocop, cool. So uh, they said they really got going after the Terminator. They thought we can make something that looks like the Terminator, but really it's a satire. Uh, they said it's a product of its time, the Regan era, satire of, of Wall Street, satire of Reaganomics. And also, Newmeyer talks about these Japanese sam- samurai manuals <laughs> that all the businessmen were, were reading because they wanted to be killer in the boardroom and he was like well let's make them literal killers in the boardroom it's all very clever uh orion had made the terminator so they climbed on board to make robocop uh all the american directors turned it down um so it got to paul verhoven who thought famously thought the script was terrible yeah he threw it in the bin i think yes i've read that he threw it in a bin but i saw him say he set it to one side and went for a swim a long (laughs) swim Uh, and swim. he came back. As you have to do. If you've ever read a bad script, you just you straight, in, with a straight swim. in the pool. Not the sea, because <laughs> sharks, but in the pool. Get in that pool, just swim for ages until you've forgotten. Swim the memory away. Forgotten words. And then this is the same story. We're, we're going to do Carrie soon. The same as the Carrie story. His wife, his wife, Martine, picks it up from the side, out of the trash, whatever, flicks through it, says, pay more attention to this, Paul. There's more layers to it when you, than you think. So I was reading Quentin Tarantino's cinema speculations mm. book and the chapter about Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen's wife did yes. all that for him. She basically picked his movies because yeah. he just, he didn't like reading scripts. He liked reading car magazines. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so she basically went, this is good for you. She narrowed it down and then told him, didn't make him read it, just told him what it was about and he went, yeah, all right. I do, it makes you just want a really good wife. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Although sometimes it doesn't work because I remember there was a period where Robin Williams' wife used to do that oh. and that was when we got deep into the sentiment mental Robin Williams films that mm. no one really liked. Mm. Stay away from Patch Adams, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you want a really good sense of judgment. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he said when it got to Murphy being shot up, he was in. Because he said, I love violence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a thing to say. I know. I Love violence. <laughs> have you ever met Paul Verhoeven, though? I never have. Oh, my God, it's so much fun. I bet but he says things like that all the time. <laughs> he's very intense. He's very funny. He's very intelligent. He's quite frightening. Mm. Um, all the things I respect. <laughs> you do as well, though. All of that. <laughs> Tell I mean, me what to do. He's literally putting on my lip balm going, Mr. Verhoeven. <laughs> um, but he said he liked what he liked about it was... Uh, an optimism that you're not seeing, I think, here. That this wasn't a film about technology killing. This is about someone coping with technology and learning to live with it. Um, he's a big Jesus scholar, and, and Verhoeven has spent a best part of 30 years trying to make a Jesus movie. And so he came in and amped up the, the, the Christ-like aspects of this, which mm-hmm. are obviously pretty strong. Uh, but also, he had some problems with it. Um, he was worried it wasn't funny because he didn't understand the American sense of humour. Um, he was told to go away and read comic books 
So he read Judge Dredd and Iron Man, and then he kind of got what they were going for and showed up on set on the first day wearing a Judge Dredd T-shirt to mm-hmm. prove that he got it. <laughs> and all the way through the shoot... Huh? Hey, <laughs> guys, Look what I've got on. I'm your boss now. I clearly read those comics. I didn't just buy a T-shirt. <laughs> and throughout the shoot, Ed Newmyer was on set, and so was John Davison, his producer, and he had them telling him what is funny... And what is normal in America? Because those were two things he didn't have a grasp on. Mm. The American sense of humour and just, is this normal? And it turns out everything mm. is normal there. <laughs> and he placed a lot of trust in the cast as well. There was a lot of improvisation allowed. Uh, I mean, Clarence Boddicker, Kurt... Um, Kurtwood Smith. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. He certainly did a lot. What a performance. Oh, my God, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> it's amazing with a film, a film with this many characters has so many memorable characters. Yeah. Like it's, and they it's, don't cancel each other out, which, no. is, which is a brilliant... Yeah, because how many villains are there? Yeah. There's about seven villains. And Morton and Jones, they really, they, you know, one's a younger version of the other. So yeah. you think that would just be like, oh, I can't, you know, collapse your characters and all of that. But they both have their place. They, they've got, they've given memorable lines. Then maybe they wrote their memorable lines. And also they're just really memorable faces and character actors. Yeah, especially with Bob Morton. I just, I, he was confusing to me as a child. Less so now, but when I watched it as a kid, I thought he was a good guy. I don't know where I got this idea of the benevolent creator, but the <laughs> idea that Robocop was a good From God? guy, maybe. Okay. I did go to a C of E primary school and middle school. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Revelations. That's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> So I, I, he was, I thought he was a goodie, and that's why his death, you know, the sex equals death moment, sure. uh, was so traumatic. Yeah. No, no, he just, he hates sex and he loves power, is mm. what we know about Bob Morton. <laughs> <laughs> and Coke. Yeah. Okay. But he doesn't love death. No. 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 Yeah. no. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, he'd have had sex. <laughs> so, Paul Verhoeven had never done a special effects movie and wasn't interested in ever doing a special effects movie, which is mad when you think by the end of this week, we will have done all three of his special effects movies, <laughs> yeah. and they're all incredible. True. Um, um, uh, hello, man. No, that's a special effects movie. <laughs> Sorry, oh, we're never going to do it. I could consider these like a loose trilogy almost. Right. Solomon's Man's not part of that, is oh, okay. it, really? No, but it's got special effects. Uh, and he... that sex equals death in that! Mm. Uh, he was inspired by the day the Earth is still a metropolis, but really he needed uh, the, the, the brilliance of Rob Bottin and Phil uh, Tippett. So Rob Bottin came up with the Robocop design. But it didn't go well initially. Initially, it looked like Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Hey, see my T-shirt? Um, <laughs> then he looked like a big Superman. Uh, they gave him big shoulders of a Japanese comic book character. That wasn't quite working. He had Verhoeven making demands. It drove him mad that the pair of them stopped speaking for the duration of the but shoot. Wasn't it that initially, the, the initial um, costume that Rob Bottin created was quite like the finished one, but then Paul Verhoeven had all these ideas and it transformed from that initial idea and then back again after Paul Verhoeven finally went, do you know what? I got it wrong. I'm sorry. This happens a lot with Paul Verhoeven as well. You're dealing with a mad genius, but yeah, there's a, there's some script stuff later on that is just mind boggling uh, for Paul Ed New, uh, poor Ed Newmeyer. But um, they ended up with this Detroit chic. The look, you know, we're set in Detroit. The whole, the background is, you know, what happened to Detroit with the cars. And he wanted to look like a big shiny car in shining armor, basically, which is what he does look like. Have either of you been to Detroit? No. No. It's. I went. It was. I went in about. I think it was about two thousand four, two thousand five. It was the, the maddest place. I'd never been to America before, and it. It was. It's. It looked like New York. 
except it was a ghost city. Mm. Like, everything was empty. We had this guide with us who just took us around these skyscrapers, like like I'd seen in movies. Like, it looked like a New York skyscraper, and we just walked around, and floor after floor was just, like, overturned desks, papers on the floor, just empty. And we got to the roof, and you could look down onto other skyscrapers, and... Like uh, lifts, uh, the lift apparatus had collapsed through the roof where people had stolen the steel struts from it on other buildings. It was it was the maddest maddest place I've ever mm. been. Yeah, doing my research on this, it's it's sort of a tragedy, really, because they, they built that city for millions and millions of people, mm. and now no one's there. They've got huge highways in and out that then they're just completely empty. Yeah, yeah, there was St. Patrick's Day when I was there and they sort of had this parade through this derelict city and, like, some people still came out, but, you know, you imagine St. Patrick's Day in New York, it's reams of people lining the streets. It was like these scattered handfuls of people. It was it was honestly very, very surreal. Mm. Although mm. Kid Rock still lived there. OK. Mm. Uh, didn't shoot it there. They shot this film in Dallas. Yeah. Because um, they got the futuristic skyline. But um, in terms of casting, the studio wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. to play Robocop. I think so imaginative. Just... Yes. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Let's do it again. Um, Paul Verhoeven wanted Rutger Hauer. Uh, that would have been interesting. It would have been very cool. Uh, mm. Michael Ironside nearly got the role, but he was too big. They wanted someone smaller and skinnier, mm. and that's how come uh, Paul Weller got the gig. I mean, you think about Arnie in it, even forgetting the Terminator, it's just because of his movie CV at that point, it, you, there would have been no vulnerability about him. You can't imagine him going on this journey of self-discovery. Yeah. You'd be well, like... Well, no, you have, to, you have to act. You have to have an actor. Yeah, yeah we've been <laughs> through this. He's, got yeah. to... He's really good at some things, like <laughs> yeah. fighting and stuff. Yeah. But the emotional heft of that is just not... So... I'm not some scared people, of him. I'm some people can't be more than one thing. Oh, my <laughs> God! <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Gonna, oh, my God. I think we're going to pass out. <laughs> no, if you watch the Arnie documentary on Netflix, he's a lot of things. Yeah. Oh, yes, so a he lot, is. Some good, some so he is. really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he would have done this kind of thing. So uh, Weller took choreography lessons. He went to his mime coach from Juilliard. He initially started off, Robocop sort of moved more like a snake. Then it was these quick bird-like moves. Movements, and then it sort of was a combination of the, the bird-like movements and then something lumbering like Frankenstein. That's mm. what he ended up with. Because there was a really good idea, and this is the only time I'm going to mention either of the sequels, but there's a really good idea buried in the fucking crock of shit that is RoboCop 3, where they put the sort of lumbering RoboCop up against these Japanese samurai robots, which is great because they're all nimble. Yeah. But... Apart from that, the movie's terrible. Okay. It's really bad. Um, Nancy Allen obviously uh, plays Lewis. Um, all I've got about her is that... Uh, <laughs> is, it, is it hair? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she apparently... Well, you remember her from Carrie. I'm mentioning Carrie again. Oh, yeah. She's in Carrie, one of the bullies. She's got incredible hair. And that's what she's famous for. So Paul Verhoeven told her she had to cut her hair. <laughs> that, that and her acting. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also, he also to, he told her she had to cut her hair and eat lots of food. So she would put on weight so that no one would think that Robocop would be attracted to her. Yeah. Oh and, my uh, days. <laughs> I, read, uh, I read that she, uh, she managed to put on weight by, by, by quitting smoking. So uh, she was can't stop. Her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. He's the male hero and she's yeah. his female She's a woman sidekick. in his sight. Yeah. So Have you seen Demolition Man? It's seen... how it works. <laughs> Have you seen any film? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, got some uh, the, the, the score. Big fan of the score. I quite like it. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. it's not as good as Avengers. Let's not do it. Let's just not go there. I've got a line about that a bit later. Um, interestingly, though, it's more synthesizer when he's more robotic and more orchestral when he's more human. Oh, mm, that's, that's interesting. Clever. And then they had same composer for Starship Troopers as well. Yep, mm-hmm. they had issues obviously getting this part, the ratings board, perhaps unsurprisingly. Um, so they submitted it, I, I read anywhere between eight and 11 times for certification. I read Paul Verhoeven going, it's been <coughs> mythologised and it's actually eight times, and any more than that is just legend. Eight is quite a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I only oh said God, three only more eight. potentially. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, he's <laughs> a stickler. Fuck off. He's a stickler, Verhoeven. <laughs> it was eight. But he believes that by making it less violent it sort of took away some of the absurdism of it it's the Ed 20 it's the famous Ed 209 scene this like you said at the start this was one of the stories that went round the school playground where I was at school which was I don't know someone was reading Empire magazine and it was the story of how that was meant to be funny and at test screenings that whole Ed 209 scene was so over the top with geezers of blood that uh, the audience laughed and then the MPAA made him take it down more and more and more and more to the point where it's just Fucking grim. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the fifth time you've told that, but it's allowed because it's on the Robocop episode. <laughs> oh, new rule. Like <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah. You will love that story. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I don't know why I love that story, but when you said we were doing Robocop, I was like, oh, I've got a story. I've got a story that I've said quite a lot talking about <laughs> violence in other films that. we've covered. I'll hear the klaxon. <laughs> there we go. Hey! Did you just hear that? Same story, I'll, I'll finish with a quote, because we've got to get into this film. Uh, this is uh, how Paul Verhoeven looks at it. He says, This is my perception of the United States. I don't contemn or admire. I see and I want to portray. Um, I've got one. Go for it. Uh, Jeannie Epper, uh, who was Nancy Allen's stunt double on the film, uh, she said, she's a real sweetheart. I worked with her previously on 1941. I remember when John Belushi stepped off the airplane... That was a movie to get to work on. I only mention that because it means at least someone enjoyed 1941. <laughs> wow, I thought that's... Don't people like that one now? Is it had a resurgence? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Hard to love. All right, in, well, let's kick off in Detroit. And you'd normally start a film like this with some action, wouldn't you? Not so Robocop. We're starting with some news. <laughs> South Africa's under nuclear threat. The president's on a space station. We've got an advert for a family heart centre. <laughs> um, it feels like it's being made by the Saturday Night Live generation, I thought, watching this time. These feel like SNL sketches, don't they? Uh, bleak, bleak SNL sketches, but yeah. Satirical. Mm, yes, yeah, with a nasty undercurrent, some mm-hmm. of the later ones. It's a, the disingenuous nature of the newsreader when he says... Get well, Frank, or our thoughts are with you, Frank. Mm. It's like, ugh, it's creepy. But it's a fun way to put lots of exposition in very quickly. And they actually do it every 30 minutes in the film because mm. Verhoeven was saying audiences are programmed every 30 minutes to have adverts. So I just did it in the movie. Okay. Um, so he, put the, he puts them at the end of what would be those sort of act breaks. But also, uh, they hadn't shot Murphy's death at a certain point and he decided to spend the money for Murphy's death on all these adverts because he knew they'd have to give him more money to shoot Murphy's death because they couldn't release it. <laughs> oh. So this is how we sort of stage manage the whole thing. God, that is yeah, fun. That clever Dutchman. That is clever. 
So Omni Consumer Products is what we learn here. Uh, I've got a contract to run slash fund the Detroit Police Department. So it's all about privatisation, essentially. We also meet Clarence Bodica, who's a crime boss who's killed 31 cops. Murphy's transferring into the Detroit Department. He's told, welcome to hell. And then we get the unisex changing rooms. Mm. Do you like them? I do. I'd like it more in Starship Troopers. Sure. Because you I get just, to see more. No, no, it's not that. It's, it's all right. It's, no, that, it's fine. Well, I don't mind seeing it. Obviously, that's a nice little bonus. But it's just in both films, the idea that people are so focused on the task in hand mm. that there's no room in their brain for any sort of hijinks. Yeah. Um, and that's amazing. Yeah. I guess slightly different because in Starship Troopers, they're brainwashed into like their libido not being more important than the cause at hand, whereas yes. it's forced upon them. It's <laughs> like it's survival. Yes. And also the idea in Starship Troopers is we're living in a world where there's no more sexism, there's no more racism. It's like a utopia in yeah, that yeah. way that you, like, you wouldn't go into it. A, a changing room like that doesn't really, I don't know if it exists, but not like publicly available kind of thing. Um, but maybe in militarised spaces. Do you know what? Probably not. I don't know. No, no, it's like... a wonderful fascist utopia. That's the line. That's the line. That's what Verhoeven says. There's no sexism, there's, there's no racism, there's just fascism. Yes. Um, Which, you know, God, get rid of the other two. One less, <laughs> two less things to worry about, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> On balance. Those scales. <laughs> uh, we learn that a, a police officer called Fredrickson has died horribly. And uh, yeah, you see his name being taken down, and then the scene ends holding on Murphy's name, foreshadowing death. Indeed, good, good shout. Uh, Murphy is partnered with Lewis. Uh, we meet her, as you said, kicking the shit out of a suspect. So, the, uh, are you going to mention this, 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 the flirtiness here? You know, when you were saying about Verhoeven came up with some crazy script changes. Is one of them that he told uh, Ed Newmyer that he wanted more romance in it, and so Ed Newmyer went away and wrote a whole romantic subplot between. Lewis and Murphy, and then Verhoeven went, nah, no. <laughs> got it wrong. Yeah, I was, but I thought when I heard Newmyer say that he was talking about uh, Lewis and Robocop, but if it's Lewis and Murphy... Uh, but it would have started here, makes though, more wouldn't sense it? Then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you just had it completely wrong. Wasted the screenwriter's time. Yep. Uh, so that never happens. <laughs> we're in the OCP uh, boardroom, and we meet the old man... Uh, played by Dan O'Herlihy from Halloween 3 and The Last Starfighter, both of which we're going to do. Great. Uh, Dick Jones, played by Ronnie Cox. Oh. From Deliverance. Our friend <laughs> yeah. from Deliverance. Yeah. So good there, and so good here. Total recall as well. I mean, I love him. I was, he's always going to be Cohagen, but I like Dick Jones too. And then Bob Morton, played by Miguel Ferrer from Robocop. That's right. <laughs> and some, and some awesome uh, David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird that he didn't do more. I mean, you know when you see someone, because this, as much as it broke me this movie was a big part of my childhood and so you always sort of go where's where's he gone where's Miguel he's dead right he died relatively young I think I think he's George Clooney's cousin he is and he certainly married the woman that Sharon Stone is with in Basic Instinct that was his wife yeah but yeah we lost him too we lost him too soon but he is playing this ultimate yuppie Uh, he's the guy who's who's reading these books in his spare time of of war and killing because that's how he sees himself and the idea is they're going to build Delta City where old Detroit now stands so that's really what this film is all about Mm. is about 
cleaning the streets briefly so they can build this city and then flood it with drugs yet again. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of exposition <laughs> in this uh, build-up to the big boardroom scene. Well, it's done really dynamically, coming in and out of lifts, people you yeah. know, being really quick, sort of like, you, you pick up on it. I don't know that I did as a kid, but the whole idea that Bob had this alternate Robocop project, Ed 209 was the big one because Dick Jones is in charge and he can't get to the old man because Dick Jones is in his way. Yeah. You get all of that exposition yeah. in about three minutes. I think they do that in both films, actually. They're really clever with where they put the exposition and how they do it, where it all sort of happens. The trouble is this is the first time I paid enough attention to understand it all because, because you are watching what's happening on screen because there is so much going on. But um, So Ed 209 has introduced the enforcement droid, this stop-motion beast. He was inspired by Japanese toys of the time. Um, incredible. Just incredible. This, this, is a, this is one of those reminders how terrifying stop-motion is compared yeah. to CGI because I swear to God... More than anything else, more than the aliens in Alien, more than Freddy Krueger, more than any other horror movie villain of my childhood, Ed 209 was the scariest fucking thing I'd ever seen. That growl it gives, that metallic growl, and obviously because the malfunction. Oh, have you got a story about that? <laughs> yeah. So, no, but seriously, the MPAA. <laughs> um, funny you should say that, though, because Phil Tippett said the moment he figured it out was when he realised it's a big baby. Uh, the bit where it falls down the stairs later is fantastic. That s- sort of screeching, wailing baby sound it makes as it's kicking its legs in the air. It's still terrifying well, in that moment. The Ed 209 bit here, I was terrified because uh, when I was eight, obviously in a few scenes, then I stopped watching it. Mm. But watching it now, watching that stupid machine not be able to climb the stairs, it's meant to be comedy, I think. It made me yes. laugh my head off. The, 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 yeah, the initial thing. I don't think there's the screeching, wailing, thrashing, but the bit where it's tentatively putting yeah, it's itself like, And I mean, it's like, did, it, did no one had clearly seen Doctor Who at this point because it's a Dalek. It operates yeah. on Dalek rules. Yeah. It can't go up or downstairs, although yeah. that was proved wrong in one of the Sylvester McCoy episodes because they had thrusters, which fucking freaked me out. <laughs> Uh, for Verhoeven, the Ed 209, he wanted it to look like it was almost a bit blind because he wanted he was comparing it to the SS officers who would blindly do what they are told. And also, initially, it looks ridiculous because it gr- its grill at the front made it look like it was smiling. <laughs> so they turned it upside down and that's what changed the face completely and wow. terrified you. So it's funny how these little things, they couldn't figure out what was what was not working and it was just, oh, that could be seen as a smile. Bang. You've got a monster. That's that it's thing I always bang about, horrible. the uncanny valley, mm-hmm. that you'll anthropomorphise two dots and a smile more than you will, like, the best robot we've got with, like, a human-looking face because your brain goes, no, that's too close, hate it. Mm. But I could draw a smile on a napkin and you would try and adopt it, basically. Would I? Yeah, you might. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How many pints has he had at this point? <laughs> and how, is it just one napkin or a whole sea of napkins? Cause... Is that the group now for napkins? <laughs> There's a sea of napkins and he's clearing up over there. It's a, it's a, fl- it's a flock. <laughs> or is it a murder? No, it's a sea of cake sailors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's that going, by the way? Is that taken off? Uh, it's good. We've had a suggestion for what it should mean. Aaron, our old friend Aaron, oh, suggests yeah. that it should mean someone who is weak or ineffective in their role. I quite like it. Okay. Mm. Okay. Someone wanted to know if it was a sailor as in sailing the seas or sailor as in someone who was selling something. No, it's, it's definitely on the sea. The it's seas, yeah. Yeah. It's a, but with a cake. It's Navy adjacent. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was at the end of the siege episode. Sure. So, of course, yeah. it's Navy adjacent. <laughs> so, Mr. Kenny is called upon uh, to pick up a weapon. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Uh, he has 20 seconds to comply. <laughs> We've talked about it enough, and he gets shot to shit. Yes. Now, do you know the idea behind this about what's happening? <laughs> it Why? was meant to be more bloody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done it nearly twice. <laughs> so the idea in the script 
was that because they're in the boardroom, the carpet is so plush there that Ed 209 can't hear the fact that he's dropped the weapon because it's that noise that would tell him that he can he to shoot the he doesn't have to shoot the person. Why can he not see? Has he not got cameras? Well, he's not very good at seeing, apparently. Right, that's not clear. No, it's not. And, and, and also, this doesn't happen because that was the idea, but then they put in the sound effects of the gun hitting the floor. <laughs> yeah. So it didn't really work. But that was some thinking that went into that scene. I'm glad it didn't stay. Uh, someone calling for the paramedic. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, the best moment, uh, you know, other than him being shot to pieces, is the fact that the old man just sort of size which tells it's so clever because it tells you so much about that guy and the fact that this clearly isn't the worst thing he's ever seen happen in a boardroom brilliant it's fantastic and so we get Morton suggesting the Robocop program and then we're going to take a break and we'll come back with the death of Murphy Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back, and so we see Murphy doing some gunslinger tricks with his firearm. It's, that's because his son loves a TV show for kids called TJ Laser. And that's them sort of acknowledging what this film could be but isn't. Right. But I think it's ironic because that's what Robocop turned into, was a shitty TV show like <laughs> TJ Laser. Did you ever see the Robocop show? No. No. I mean, it's, it's worse than Robocop 3. Wow. That's, that's something. So that's, and is he TJ because it's a TJ Hooker reference? I guess so, yeah. Right, okay. I guess so. Uh, so there's a robbery. Uh, they're tailing Clark's Bodica's van. There's a chase. There's a gunfight. Bodica throws his injured mate through the air saying, can you fly, great. Bobby? Great. It's just great evil. It's yeah. great evil, isn't Very it? Evil. Yeah. Uh, Murphy blasts his gun away. He tells Emil, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Uh, and then Verhoeven. Verhoeven said, I wanted to show Satan killing Jesus. Jesus. And so they're in this warehouse. Lewis doesn't do a very good job. But why? But <laughs> but why doesn't Lewis do a very good job? Shall we shall we discuss this now? Go Lewis basically gets first of all, she's the one who goes, Yeah, I'll, I've called it. Let's go Let's in. Go. Let's yep. go in without backup. And then she captures one of the henchmen. And the only reason she gets beaten is is she can't not look at his dick. That's true. That is it. <laughs> Sex equals death. Sex equals death. <laughs> That's where it is. It's, that is, it's in the film. It's there. It's <laughs> unbelievable. P- piss equals it's, death. It's literally... <laughs> Why does she look? What does she need to I see? I don't know. It's, but it's, it's, I mean, has she never seen one before? It's unlikely, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he advertises it so well, like, minor ones zip up, and you're like, wow. But she can hear it. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> hear it? Yeah. As whistling like, yeah. the, as it fell through the air the wind, I don't know the wind whistling the, what little it. hair she's got left is just brushed by the, <laughs> the wind maybe it's gone all the way inside it's just yeah, she's like, oh my god it's, it's true all, it's all in <laughs> it's all in, oh, it's all in. it can happen the problem with this is it makes Lewis into an absolute idiot because Murphy would yeah. possibly still be alive if she hadn't needed to sneak a peek at a dick so yes 
but he isn't alive because Bodica appears. He shoots his arm off. Um, he fills him with bullets. A big thing for Verhoeven that wasn't in the script was all of these scenes of violence. He wanted all the criminals to be laughing, to be pissing themselves. Mm-hmm. This is just something he really felt about violence in American movies. Good. It um, works because it's, I don't know why, but well, I do. His hand gets blown off. His arm gets blown off. It's one of the most graphic deaths I've ever seen and probably still have ever seen. And the laughing on top of that, it's, mm. it's so grim. It's very disturbing. Uh, I don't quite know how he survives. No, he takes a bullet to the head. Yeah. Airlifted to hospital. We see memories of his wife and son flash before his eyes. This all reminds me of Flash Gordon, actually. And then suddenly we're in it. POV, Robocop. So clever here. <laughs> we're him. We are Robocop it's waking so up. Having your, so having your LED screwed on. That's the best bit, isn't it? I don't yeah, know why really I love that so much. The screwing of that LED so screen simple. on. Well, because you get the sense of the... So the power to come, LED mm. is tech, it's whatever. Mm. Powerlessness, you can't move, you can't do anything. That man is like, um, uh, Morton's like, lose the arm, we want to keep the arm, lose the fucking arm. Mm. And so you are completely trapped. You're, again, like locked in syndrome. And yet you've got this inclinate where well, you know because of the title and because of the tech that you're going to be the most powerful thing. And, and you feel all of that. Yeah. You're that. You're having your memories wiped and yeah. you're the last bit of your human body removed. Also, yeah. Considering the fact that Ed 209 malfunctioned, it is troubling that Robocop can wake himself up on New Year's Eve. He's a robot, and yet they're having a party on New Year's Eve, and he suddenly goes, party! Oh, I thought it was just random. I thought he was just randomly sort of emerging. Do you know what I mean? And it right. just happened to be New Year's Eve. Okay. But it doesn't matter. Uh, they introduced him in phases. This was Rob Bottin's idea. He said the audience needs to get accustomed to what this is and accept him. If we show him all at once, they might laugh. And so we do. We just get glimpses that of him. frosted window yep. when he's entering the police station. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, Great. yeah. Every, and everyone wants to look in the office just yeah. like we do, but we're only getting these glimpses. Uh, we learn the prime directives, which, as I say, I learned off by heart from the Amstrad CPC 464. <laughs> Alex, do you know off by heart? I, I, I don't, actually, because I had a, 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 I played it on the Amiga. Ah, much was, faster. Yeah, I had a disc. <laughs> Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law, classified. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We see him in the gun range. He's got a much bigger gun than everyone else. That's not fair. It it fires differently as well. I think it's a semi-automatic pistol, whereas everyone else doesn't have that. I like the baby food thing. I know we mentioned it already, but it does a good job of making you realise that you aren't dealing with the cool hero. It undermines his cool thing. Mm -hmm. It stops him being like, oh man, he's going to be brilliant. Like he has needs and they're gross as well. Gross. Baby needs. Yeah, and you wouldn't want that. Yeah. Uh, but he's super accurate with his gun, and then he does a trick. Oh, it's such a good callback. Mm. It's so good. So this is when Lewis realises this is Murphy. Mm-hmm. And then you realise that this film is kind of a Western because he becomes the gunslinger, the new gunslinger who rides into town to clean the place up. So he heads to the liquor store, and he, and he takes down a criminal there. There's mm. bullets bouncing off him. He bends the end of the gun, punches a bloke into a fridge, says goodnight and leaves. Leaves him there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is like, is this good police No, work? that's the point though, isn't it? He's of not, course. He's, he's a blunt instrument. Yeah. Gets it done, but has no human, fe- not enough human feelings to like finish the job. Mm-hmm. So you can't shoot through the skirt of a potential rape victim. That's not a good idea. You might miss. But even just leaving the robber in the shop, like a police officer would take them to the station. So. 
you're saying it's a bad idea to shoot through a woman's skirt to take out he, a rapist ball. He can't miss. He cannot miss. He's <laughs> We've just established. <laughs> We've just established on a gun range. Yeah. Yeah, that was why know. that scene was there. So you knew he was a perfect shot. I sure. I wonder if she would find that more traumatic. She seems happy. She does seem happy, mm. but it is the 80s. Right. So well, it's no, I, I, it's, it is Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it, she and, fucking and, loves it. And famously, this was he shoots the guy in the head in the script. But Paul Verhoeven's the one who's like, no, he's a rapist. <laughs> we shoot them in the balls. Uh, that is, I mean, that's the law. <laughs> that's the in certain parts that, of the that's, world. That's, that's, that's Amsterdam. That's the law. It's a, you know. But it's an incredible. Just, just like the end of seven. Like, it's almost he perfect. Been if, rewarded. He, if there's a way that you, uh, the, the sort of uh, fantasy of it would be that he allows her to do it. That would be fun. That's not my mm-hmm. change. But if he immobilizes the person and says, you have to shoot him See, in the balls. She's not an officer of the law. I know. That's a civilian. He's, what, how, he's got, how to, did ser- I get he's got to serve the public trust. How did trust? I get lectured about the end of seven and what is the law and oh, what le- isn't the lectured. law? Get lectured. Little baby. It just felt like a lecture. Little little baby. baby. I, Look, I, you I'm learned so, something. I just It was a teachable moment. out of nothing. I just feel you playing fast and loose with your rules. Lecture. I will. That, I'm annoyed. Yeah. Carry on. He could start an argument with the Dalai Lama. He could. <laughs> it felt like a lecture. Well, That's just not, be I'm happy sorry. you learned something. Um, <laughs> I, I still disagree, though. So, no, well, you didn't on the episode. You yeah. just cried about it two weeks later in the pub because <laughs> some other idiot on Twitter said, "Oh, no, you're right, Alex." Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> the Robocop me, theme. Me, me and my other idiot on Twitter, <laughs> just in our echo chamber. Echo. Echo. Yeah, fuck those guys. Uh, Robocop theme, uh, like Avengers, only better. Dealt with that now. Um, <laughs> City Hall, there's a councilman, uh, there's a hostage situation. It's very bit, cool. It's a bit silly, this. He's sort of like, I want a car. Yeah. A nice car. I mean, it's, it's just all, the, everything's over the top in this film, though, yeah. isn't it? I like it. I like the fact he pulls the guy through through a wall. Uh, well, I mentioned this at the start. This is some school kids on the news. It's all, it's all part of the satire, isn't it? Stay out of trouble while he's showing them his gun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some tension between Dick and Morton in the loo. Sexual oh. tension. Sexual tension. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Such a good scene. Paul Verhoeven loves this kind of thing, though. He he, he'll play with he'll play with sexuality. He'll play with this kind of thing. I mean, Newmar just based it on stuff that he'd experienced in boardrooms and going to the toilet in a light coloured suit <laughs> <laughs> and having to walk past the bank of secretaries and being embarrassed. But equally, it's a great place to have these two characters go up against Dick each other. Sure. Jones is terrifying in this scene. Yeah. Yeah, he's a frightening man. Mm. Uh, we've got Robocop having some bad dreams. He's having flashbacks. Um, they've taken everything away from him, but they can't remove his soul. No. That's what Ed Newmyer wrote. Uh, I watched a Q&A with them a few years ago and Paul Verhoeven says, yes, but there's no such thing as a soul, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So they were making different movies. Great team, though. Team. <laughs> but the soul is what's waking up here. The life of the soul transcends. Uh, Lewis tells him he's Murphy directly and then he meets Emil at the gas station and uh, Emil clocks him because Robocop says, dead or alive, you're coming with me. Mm. Again, another callback. Um, he recognises him, we killed you. Uh, the, the gas station gets blown up here. This nearly shut the whole <laughs> film down because the explosion was so big that Detroit said, uh, sorry, Dallas said, you're going to have to stop making this film. Someone's going to die. Uh, but they, in Detroit, there's no one there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they got away with it. And then we have this existential crisis because he, he's got his memories and he heads home. Mm. Why? So he heads home and his 
wife and child have gone. Yes. But he couldn't see, wait to get out of there, could they? Yeah, but they, not only have they not, tidied up. Not only have they left, <laughs> they've burnt photos of him and them all together. Yeah. They've literally set fire to them. I'm not sure Murphy was as loved by his family as his memories are indicating. No, yeah, I agree. Quite angry. And I believe they're trying to sell that house. That's what's happening. <laughs> Clean out the fireplace once you've done it. Half burnt photos of a family yeah. and not Looks what you wanted. Yeah. It's making put me the, think put haunted. Put the coffee on. I've got some bread in the oven. What, those burnt photos, they won't be included. Don't worry. Um, but for Verhoeven, he's having this existential dilemma. This is his paradise lost. So he now wants answers. He wants revenge. So he enters a club in arrest mode looking for Leon Nash, a.k.a. Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite actors of all time. He drags him out by the hair. Apparently the, the, the dancers are being very frantic in this move, in this uh nightclub scene they're dancing quite frantically and Verhoeven uh, showed them how he wanted them to dance and embarrassed himself <laughs> willingly on set by behaving really like crazy dancing crazy for these uh, club goers it does seem like a club that caters for a lot of different genres uh, it's just a Dutch disco that's right. what I thought when sure. I saw it yeah, yeah. Be it you ever been to a Dutch disco yes me too right oh, wow. then <laughs> what what they, I've never been what they like? <laughs> I went when I was about 15 and it was fun <laughs> okay cool cool it's cool Uh, Now we've got a scene where uh, Bob Morton is doing cocaine with two intelligent women off their breasts. Getting ready to have sex. Chandra and Tawny. Thanks for that. No worries. (laughs) Thought I'd give give them names. I didn't just want to describe them as sex workers. Sex worker one and two. Chandra and Tawny. Sorry. Uh, Clarence Bodica enters and we hear the famous line. Can you say it, Alex? I've already said it once. Bitches leave. <laughs> I didn't know this this line had become so famous until I started working uh, at my first magazine, and everyone on the in the office <laughs> knew this line and thought it was hilarious. And I didn't know what they were talking about. Have does a I don't know if it's a callback to this, but there is a line uh, from far too late for it to be acceptable anymore in the first Triple X movie where Vin Diesel is undercover and he visits a nightclub and the gangster uh, goes to two, I'm assuming, sex workers or certainly women who are wanting to spend time with the gangsters. Bitches come. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Whoa. So instead of bitches Works leave, on many levels. Yeah. I feel a bit sick now. Yeah, that's gross. Mm. Uh, Clarence Bodica shoots him to shit. There's a message on the telly from Dick saying, I'm cashing you out, Bob. And they blow the place up. So... I love the idea of Dick Jones leaving him a message. I love the idea of the callback to Buddy Boy, the line yeah, from yeah. the bathroom. Does he need to introduce himself? <laughs> Does he need to go, hello, Buddy Boy, Dick Jones here. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so I'm like, well, obviously, I know it's you. I can see your face. Great. Do you think he did a couple of takes of that? I went, so do I say my name? Is it, I... Is it better if I don't? Yeah. Hello, Buddy Boy. Dick here? Is that too informal? <laughs> should it be? Should it, be? it feels like a big moment. Yeah. <laughs> Howdy, Bobby boy. No, because it's a callback, so I definitely Bear in mind, I Bobby don't get boy. the satisfaction of looking into your eyes when I kill you. Do I really need to be on the screen in the first place? Because that's the beat replicated. Mm. I murder you, you look shocked. I get satisfaction. Dicky, Dicky Jonesy. No, that's not my name. Hello, <laughs> son. God, that's weird. I've know. overthought this. Um, all right, all right. Let, come back to it in half an hour and we'll try it again. Then we cut to Clarence Bodica putting his fingers in the wine of a factory owner. I just, it blew my mind. He's so good in it. I don't, we don't really need the scene. We just need a location for a shootout. Yeah. But the, what, the fingers in the wine and the nose, it's just, 
I've never seen that before. That was that was all him by all accounts. It's fucking Ed awesome. said, "Yeah, we just let him do whatever he wanted." You here. just would if that's what he's doing. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. The spit of the blood on the desk earlier when he gets brought in. Yeah, that's uh, that was him improvising. He said uh, to Paul Verhoeven, "How about I just spit some blood on the How about it? <laughs> desk?" And then he's, Paul Verhoeven's like, "You want to spit blood? <laughs> Go for it." Uh, Robocop blasts his way in and. I t- it does make me wonder. He's got. He's a robot. He's got two arms. Why can't he shoot with both arms? Great he's got question. to keep. He's got to keep moving this Perfect one. Question. No it, yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to sing as it's one of those shootouts where men just line up to be shot. <laughs> um, they just stand there and go, "Is it my turn?" <laughs> and he can't kill Bodica because he's got to uphold the law. Yeah, True. a bit sketchy. Mm. Bit That's not sketchy. working, is it? Because he's killed everyone else. I suppose else? he has him, so he is technically arrested. Right, and so he's sure. given into that passion to strangle him, but he's like, no. Whereas everyone else is like, it's a free for all. I don't. Yeah, know. because what happens is the good thing now is that he he get led to Dick Jones. He tries to arrest Dick Jones, but he can't because of Directive Four, which is that he cannot arrest someone from OCP. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that results in his shutdown. And then Ed 209 shows up for a bit of a fight, a bit of a stop motion brawl. Oh, it's good. Uh, it's good, isn't it? Do you, a, do you love stop motion Ed 209? I do and I don't. There are all these different effects used in this scene and it doesn't. It just doesn't feel very cohesive. That's right. the thing. It's quite blocky and we're looking at a, a stop motion Robocop at one point and then another point <coughs> we've got the man in the suit and obviously we've got a little Ed 209 and a big Ed 209 and yeah, I don't think it's the best action scene but it's important because you've got to get these two together. Yep. What do you think? I love it. I, sure. I love it. I love, the, I, love the, I love the personality they give Ed 209. I know it sort of makes it childish, but I just quite like that. I quite like the fact that this awesome killing machine that we've witnessed gun down a guy in a boardroom, this vicious thing, is also an infant. It's just mm. that juxtaposition of a newborn thing also having the power to kill someone yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And as you say, he falls down the stairs. I wrote down Dalek joke brought to life. Mm. You've already gone there. Uh, Robocop escapes um, and Dick gives Bodica a military weapon to kill Robocop, which is uh, the biggest gun I've ever seen. But before we get there, Robocop removes his helmet with a drill. The makeup is so good here. I don't even think this got nominated for an Academy Award, this film, for makeup. And throughout the film, the makeup is incredible. Mm. Um, It took more than six hours to put that on him, but you... It's one of those scenes where we've got to get a sense of his humanity. Mm. And it, it comes flooding back when you see him in the, the, the bullet hole in his head. And it's just... I think this is the point as well where me as a kid realised that I wasn't meant to think Robocop was cool. I think baby food I hadn't picked up on, but Robocop in helmet, walking around, killing criminals is kind of cool. But once he takes his helmet off and you see Murph, like Murphy's stretched skin over yeah. like this skull, you just go... He ain't cool. He doesn't look cool anymore. This is a dark movie. This yeah. isn't for me. I shouldn't mm. be watching this. <laughs> and this is what I was going to mention about that other, the, the rewrite that Verhoeven wanted and that didn't happen. He said, um, I got the whole affair idea was wrong. It was a stupid European idea. We went back to the second draft. But the three rules, interestingly, that Newmeyer had was Robocop can't kiss the girl can't be seen on a telephone, (laughs) very specific, and can't fly. And as he says, apparently he's never seen it, but apparently they do all three of those things in Robocop 3. It was a weird moment as well where 
uh, he when he starts hunting the criminals, the gang who killed him in the original script, he's holding a Polaroid <laughs> that someone's taken of them, and they said they had to cut that out, and because mm. it just felt too sort of like it didn't feel futuristic yeah, enough. Yeah, it's, Robocop, it's a human thing to do, and he's mm. not human. Maybe exactly. looking yeah. at a Polaroid, interesting. He's talking about Murphy in the third person here, and he's learning about what happened to his family, and then he wants solitude, which is something I never thought a robot would be asking for. Yeah, but I guess he's no longer all machine now he's part man Mm -hmm. and they uh, they have him shoot up the baby food because he's changing he doesn't want to be this thing don't want to be a baby wants to eat burgers and And what happens next that shows and we've got a reach around with the baby food target practice i loved that she wants a little bit of course she does she wants a slice of that so she's like i'll show you how to shoot a gun uh, we cut to Emil watching the I'd buy that for a dollar guy on the television. It's quite weird, the I'd buy that for a dollar, isn't it? Weird, Again, it's become weird. a catchphrase, but it's it's happened so often in this film. Yeah. So he was basically, he was, uh, Ed Newmeyer and uh, Michael Miner said he was Benny Hill taken to obscene extremes. Right. Okay, that makes sense. And um, that, uh, I always thought it was a sitcom, a sort of raunchy sex com thing. But mm. apparently it's a game show, which, like I said at the start, called It's Not My Problem. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously the catchphrase, I'd buy that for a dollar. So he was a he was a kind of counterculture radio DJ, the guy who played him. Right. Um, and uh, he went on to do that character, the Bixby Snyder character. Sorry, he was already doing a very similar character on his radio show, K-Rock right. in Los Angeles. Um, uh, he sat, he's a really interesting guy, not a professional actor. Mm. And then I think someone heard him doing that and went... We want that guy for this movie. It's great. I hope he makes money at conventions to this day. <laughs> yeah, the last thing I, the, the interview I read with him was uh, ahead of Robocop, the remake. And mm. they were like, he was like, I hope I get a call. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he did because I can't, I literally cannot remember anything in that film. I don't, I don't remember meeting him no. on the set. Good. Um, Clarence pulls out a Cobra assault cannon, aka the biggest gun you've ever seen. And we've got two minutes of them blowing shit up. It's like the movie's being made by a 12-year-old at this point, <laughs> which is, I think, why some 12-year-olds really liked it as well, because it is sort of fulfilling these bizarre, just blowing up stuff fantasies. <laughs> yep. And then they head to a steel mill, because every film in the 1980s had to end in a steel mill. <laughs> I'm sure all the Death Wishes did. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the wrecking crew arrived. There's this gunfight in this sort of industrial complex. Um, Emil drives in his, va- his van into a vat of toxic waste. Still one of the worst things I've ever seen on film. His Stop mouth thinking. melts, yeah. his fingers melt off. Help me! Ah, the fingers is shit. It's, it's and it's incredible. Fact he's asking for help still, <laughs> like he thinks there might be a solution to this but problem. But I think he, he almost looks like he could be saved because you're like, God, what, is it superficial damage? Have your lungs been melted? Like maybe mm. you could be saved because your brain is like, well, they tried to save Murphy when he was so dead mm. and they weren't reviving him for the Robocop project because he was classified dead before he was volunteered, quote marks, mm. for that. So they really thought they had a chance of bringing him back. So maybe in this universe, medical care is really excellent and you could be brought back, but everyone's too scared of you. The only reason I think that might be wrong, and it's the other part of his death that I remember, when the car hits him, it, it, he, oh, yeah, he explodes, explodes. <laughs> which makes me think all his cell membranes are breaking down because of the toxic waste and he just bursts. It's amazing when he's like, if you you've just driven through him, like yeah. that's incredible. It's, just, poof, it's <laughs> yeah. gone. And also, uh, I said I wasn't going to mention the sequels, but as we learned from Robocop two, you don't make a Robocop out of a criminal because it never works. No, a good lesson. Doesn't for work. No. Doesn't work. Kane, no. he just wants his nuke. It's a good lesson for life, actually. Mm. Sure. 
Clarence shoots Lewis. A lot. I got, I got quite sad then. I don't know. I mean, I'm sad to lose her, but she's been so useless to me now by this point that I'm a bit. It's it's a dis. It's disloyal to the character, but she's she yeah she has no more use. Robocop walks on water. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's not going to arrest arrest anymore, so he's no longer upholding the law. Yeah, he is he is managing to bypass his directives. Interestingly, here uh, yeah. he could always have killed Clarence, couldn't he? He it's only because Clarence isn't an OCP employee. Yeah, uh, well. He just didn't before because he was doing the right, the right thing. thing. Yes, and now he's realised that doing the right thing saw Clarence back on the streets trying to kill him. So he's decided, fuck it. Yeah, that's that is his new directive. Fuck it. Five, well, fuck it. that's my directive. <laughs> well, this just is, fuck it. So, so there's an awful T-shirt on your future. That's like my directive is just fuck it. <laughs> Make it. And I'll wear it. Various <laughs> quotes about this moment from Paul Verhoeven. One of them, he says, at a certain point, American Jesus uses his guns. Um, he talks about Jesus yeah. telling his mates in the Bible to sell their cloaks and buy a sword. I didn't check if that happens. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it isn't. And, and he said that Americans... We didn't get taught that in C of e primary school. <laughs> he says that Americans want to be humane unless it takes too long. Then Christian values go out the window and guns come into play. Wow, that's a broad mm. swing for yeah. all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but Paul, fine. Paul <laughs> yeah. uh, so Nero drops some metal on him. But sweet, apparently Lewis blows Nero Apparently that... You know, he... They dropped steel on him. They just found the steel. You can't improvise that. No, I mean, <laughs> improvise perhaps isn't the right word. Uh, you've, got, you've, got, you've got to tell someone you're doing it. They yeah. found the steel on a crane and went, why don't we drop some steel Can on I him? Just mess around of, with this for a minute, Paul? shoot him, yeah. Stand there. Clarence. Stand there, Peter. <laughs> Clarence, Kurtwood, yeah. we said improvise, but don't drop steel on our actors <laughs> without prep. Uh, Lewis blows Nero up and then Bodica stabs Robocop, seemingly through the heart. Quite... Terminator 2 here. Yeah. Uh, and then he stabs Bodica in the neck. Uh, that's the end of him because we're back at OCP where um, Dick is pitching Ed 209 to be used everywhere during the police strike, which I hadn't mentioned earlier. Uh, Ed comes at uh, Robocop on the stairs. He's got no problem now. Yeah, he's got his big, big gun, biggest gun ever seen. Big cannon. Mm-hmm. And then the monster turns on the creator. This is our big Frankenstein moment. He enters the boardroom and says, Dick Jones is wanted for murder. But in that robot voice. Big gun. Um, don't you find with Peter Weller now, it's, he sounds like a robot to me when he just talks normally. Yeah, Star Trek into darkness. Yeah, yeah, he certainly sounds he's quite just robotic. a robot man. Mm. And he do, I guess he doesn't sound robotic. It's just because of the film. They've got a very high voice. Yeah, robots do. <laughs> 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 you know robots talk me. That's a really good impression of Peter Weller. How did you enjoy my performance in Robocop? <laughs> but on camera, did you comply? Uh, he plays video footage that he shot of Dick revealing all. Uh, Dick takes the old man hostage. The old man fires Dick. Brilliant. John Davison's idea. That was brilliant. Uh, and uh, Robocop shoots Dick and he falls out of skyscraper window. Very diehard style. Everyone's doing this at the moment. It's, uh, it's all that gets wrapped up very quickly. The, the sort of climax, it's like from from uh, from uh, Kurtwood Smith uh, to uh, Dick Jones, uh, to Clarence Bodicott to Dick Jones. It's sort of very, like, bam, bam, about two minutes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then the old man says, nice shooting, son. What's your name? That's a really weird question for him to ask. Good points. It's yes. like the final big moment oh of the God. film. Yeah. Why would you say, what's your name to Robocop? This, yeah. is, this is my new change. He should go, he should go, nice shooting, Robocop. And he should go, That's the name's name. Murphy. Yeah. That's better. That is better. Uh, you're welcome, Ed Newmar. Wowzers. Uh, but no, that's not what happens. He says, nice shooting, son. What's your name? Uh, Robocop says, Murphy. And apparently, by all accounts, the audience would erupt in that scene. 
in America in cinemas. That's when they knew they had a hit. Mm. And the films end there. It's just over so fast. Uh, They did have more bits and pieces that were in the scripts and they were shooting, but they felt like that was the right note for it to go out on. And as I say, because of how test audiences reacted... They kept it that way. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a, another video that Robocop played uh, of um, uh, Bob Morton having sex with the two sex workers and Fucking then getting, and just dying. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was cut though, but the, it's in there. It's the in only there. thing I'm, else I've got to say about Robocop is they've someone spent the last thirteen years trying to get a Robocop statue erected in Detroit. Right. It started as a joke. Someone tweeted, "If Philadelphia have a Rocky statue, can't we have Robocop?" Right. It's been built. It's all good to go, and it's just not been. They keep changing their minds. I just don't know that yeah, it's, it's not that celebratory. Same, it's not the same sentiment as Rocky. No. It's I mean, sort of I think they're doing people. it as a joke. Okay, yeah. but they um, he hasn't. The only thing is, he he hasn't got a gun. Right. He's not holding a gun. Is he holding, right. is he holding flowers? He's holding flowers and a, bird a picture bag- of himself and a baguette. <laughs> and he's outside a shop. And he says, "We sell these in here." <laughs> Is it an advert for the Robocop Bakery? I would absolutely- and florist. But you would absolutely, if you had been in, when you were in Detroit, you would have gone to see the Robocop statue, wouldn't It you? would have been nicked if I, if, if when I was in Detroit. Really? By the way, I haven't been for, since 2004, so it might be much nicer now. Wow. Mm. Shit. So you hate Washington. You hate Detroit. <laughs> we can never go to America. Yeah. And what you said about Chicago in the pub last time, it was fucking Not for awful. Repeating. Uh, right, should we do the questions? Yes. Yeah. What's your favourite scene, Alex? Uh, so I, I've got a lot of time for the Dick Jones-Bob confrontation in the men's room. I think it's really wonderful, but it's um, it's all the Ed 209 scenes, weirdly. I know you didn't like the uh, the fight, but I just think it's it, he's so good. I love the screeching, the baby crying on the stairs, but you have to go with the iconic 20 seconds to comply. The entire boardroom sequence, the introduction of Ed 209, and the fact the MPAA basically said... <laughs> You know what I'm going to say. I loved it. Mm. That's mine. Vicky. So this is a weird one, but it's very... It's what I think of when I think of Robocop, even though I didn't get this far into the film first time round, so I don't know why. The petrol station bit. So, and it's because it reminds me of The Crow. So when um, oh he's just going, we killed you, we killed you, and then the petrol station <laughs> blows up. What? You think I don't let things lie? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I do think that. <laughs> yeah, Carry on. The, and the, the crow again. Yeah, so, well, it just feels it feels like you found something you can loosely attach no, to the crow. No, I'm just to saying. Oh, the Dark Man is I, a better film. I'm, it's not. And also, I'm sorry. Something in this one reminds me of one of my favourite films of all time. Is that all right? If I sure. don't name it by its name, sure. I'd just yeah. like to hear the end of what you were going to say. Yeah. So uh, then the petrol station yeah. blows up and he walks out of the flames and then you're like, this is a fu- this is this man can do anything mm. because he's just walked out of a he's fireball. Jesus. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I like it when the old man says you're fired. It's so simple, but it's like, oh, yes, that works. <laughs> I get what is happening here. Um, most valuable whatever, Vicky. So it's nearly Kurtwood Smith because of the fingers in the wine bit. Yeah. That's mind blowing. But when Peter Weller, when he's got his helmet off and he's talking about his family and he says, I can feel them, but I can't remember them. And it's like, oh, my God, I didn't know that was coming. Like That was really affecting. So it's him for that moment. Yeah, I'm going to go for a combination of him and Rob Bettine because I think the Robocop, the creation of that character is 50-50 there and I think they both do career best work. Mm. 
Uh, I uh, It's almost Kurtwood Smith for me as yeah. well, because Clarence Boddicker is brilliant, but sadly he's not going to get any MVW. Um, uh, my, it's, well, it's either Verhoeven or Ed Newmar and Michael Miner, and I've decided to go with uh, Ed Newmar and Michael Miner, because I just think some of those satirical news things, which were in their original scripts, uh, do such an amazing amount of world-building and create this awful, awful dystopian Detroit in such little screen mm. time, especially I buy that for a dollar, it repulses me, it makes my skin crawl, the whole notion of that sitcom and everyone watching it and that being the only sort of ray of light in this miserable, miserable city and people going, yeah, this'll do, this'll <laughs> do. So I think the creation of those uh, with a special mention to Bixby Snyder the actor who played him, who likes to be called Doc, uh, but also just uh, Ed Newmar and Michael Miner for creating those. Yeah, I mean they created a visual signature for Paul Hoven that he could then take into total <laughs> Recall, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. and Starship Troopers. And Starship Troopers. So, uh, what would you change, Alex? Uh, so, uh, I've got uh, mine is uh, it's a bit of a cheat um, because, well, I don't like. I don't like Lewis looking at the dick. Uh, I just think it's stupid. But actually, I've borrowed mine from Michael Miner, who says the one thing that he wishes they'd put in, and he does call it a minor quibble, but I do think it would have been great. So the garage that explodes, Mm -hmm. that's a lot like that great movie, The Crow. Yeah. Uh, It's a shell garage, and he had it approved by uh, the producer, and um, it was going to be that the shell logo was left burning in flames, and it just said hell. Wow. And I thought, that would have been really cool Mm. to see. That's a great change you've come up with there. Thanks. Vicky. Uh, so when Lewis <laughs> has been shot, um, I didn't have one. <laughs> it's the perfect I've, film. I've it's the perfect it. film. It's my crow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, would you like some of your best friends to just stamp all over it then? <laughs> just for a laugh. Just for a laugh, though. I, don't know. I prefer it to Dark Man. No, you, <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you do, I think you probably do. Uh, yeah, she, I, I do. She, but it was fun on the episode. <laughs> she, she called us her best friend. Mm, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> terrifying, slightly miserable. It is a little bit, isn't it? It's not like bar that low. Yeah. You know what? No. How awful are the other people you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so disrespectful to them. They're putting so much effort with me. <laughs> we turn up every week. <laughs> Right, sorry. Um, Lewis is all shot and then Robocop says to her, they'll fix you, they fix everything. So I'd just like to know what he means by that <laughs> because otherwise, is she dead? Is she not dead? Is she fixed? What does that mean? Like Her story isn't finished. Are you going to be female Robocop? Robocopette? Is that what he means? They fixed me. Yeah, so... that's what I think he means. Right. Yeah, don't he say copet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a sequel for the the, the, the title for the, her spin-off movie. Right, okay. But it can't be called Female <laughs> Robocop. <laughs> of course it can't. And it can't be called Robocop. No. It has to have a colon in it or Robocopette. <laughs> So, but unless she's just dead and he's like, oh, I can't, I don't know. But I, it I thought that was one of the best lines in the film, though. They'll it, fix you, they fix everything. What does it mean? Yeah, I agree with Vicky. What does it mean? They're well, just going to patch her up and she's going to be fine because, because they fix everything. He's not happy, really, with what they've they, done. No, no, yeah. he's, saying, he's saying it with some regret, I think, isn't he? Okay. He's sort of telling her she'll be fixed, but with sort of regretfully, you won't be the same. Oh, uh, because you'll be copette, rubber copette. <laughs> don't, don't call it that. Don't go. No, not because it's not great. It's because it's mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I th- I'd like the film to start with the death of that cop. 
that we learn about. I think we should see that and get a sense of what's happening in Detroit early on. They go a different direction. I'm a stickler for the old way of doing it. I would have just had that just before the news. Maybe have his death on the news as mm. part of the broadcast. But I think I'd like to see and know what happened to him at the start. I think it would, it would sort of give you a more immediate opening to the film. Um, and also they do this in that Bob Morton scene. But I think every scene should start with a character doing a big line of cocaine because that's how everyone's behaving in this film. Yeah. I think we should see it. I found, um, I found a lot of interviews where Michael Miner talks about, obviously, cocaine was huge at, the, at that time, but there was none on set. Lies. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Kurt, we, come for Kurtwood me, Smith said the same thing. He was like, certainly among me and Peter. He's literally it? washing his nose at one point. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter well, wouldn't have stood for it. We went out for dinner every night. We didn't even drink. That's oh. what Kurtwood Smith said. Okay. Do you think he's overcompensating? <laughs> yeah. Just tell one lie. Yeah, we, didn't eat, we didn't even drink. We didn't even eat any of the starters <laughs> that we looked at on the menu. <laughs> what? <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, that is us done with Robocop. Um, quiz? Yes. Okay. So, I asked you both what your specialist subject would be if you're on Mastermind. Yeah, sure. Um, Alex said Jaws. Vicky, as a joke, said me, then forgot to get back to me to give me a proper answer. Holy shit. So, Vicky's Mastermind subject is Chris Tilly. Wow. I'm a bit worried. But, it's funny. It's but, funny for a bit and then I, it's not funny but anymore. But I'm not so egotistical. This, this could go horribly wrong. I'm not so egotistical that I would write a quiz about myself. He's your best friend. Yeah, he's Remember best that. Friend. So, let's see how well you know friends. him. But some thinking has gone into this uh the reason i'm doing this and how i'm doing this is because we're talking about robocop so i haven't set the questions i've spoken to our old friend chat gpt okay. oh right so this is what an ai thinks questions about jaws and chris, chris Tilly <laughs> should be yeah. in terms of um chat gpt yeah. what i will say is do so they know it's chris, you yeah, chris Tilly, thought, not another chris Tilly. i'm just getting to this i'm just getting to this so the, chat gpt isn't always accurate you do have to double check stuff yeah uh, the jaws questions are correct great the questions and answers it's set of me clash chris Tilly from clash of the titles are about someone else they're not always correct it's fine so let's just have a bit of fun. How exciting. Let's start with Jaws. Right. So Alex, yep. in Jaws, there's a young woman who is the shark's first victim. Mm. What is her name? Christine. What is her full name? Christine. Sharkbait. Shut up, Sharkbait. <laughs> it's Chrissy. I've got Chrissy, but I'll take Christine, obviously. I knew it was Chrissy, by the way. Did you? I, did, I really did. So you actually had it more right <laughs> so than him. So it's Chrissy Sharkbait. <laughs> Chrissy. Oh, I don't. Uh, Chrissy Watkins. Yes. <laughs> well played. That that was a good pull. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh, before his tenure at IGN, yep. Chris Tilly wrote for a UK-based film magazine. I know it. Can you name this magazine? Hot Dog. I mean, that is... That's the correct answer. Uh, well, no, no. According to ChatGPT, it was Total Film right. I worked for, which I've never worked for. You worked for Hot Dog. Once Zero to Vicky. <laughs> what? Why do I have to get it right according Chat, to ChatGPT? He literally wrote in a message. AI, not Al. No, but sorry, AI said the questions, but I'm right. What? I'm sorry, you've got to get the answer that, that ChatGPT gave. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, the fucking The Guardian, it could say no, it's, it's total film, yep. it's total film. Unlucky. I'm not playing. <laughs> you've got, you got to give her it. You've you got, got to. All right, half a point, half a point. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, a full point. Oh, I love right, the power. See, I love the power. You say I never have your back. I, you know, I argued Did for I you. Did I say that? <laughs> No, you lectured me about it. Uh, Alex. Yeah. Uh, the iconic, ominous two-note motif from the Jaws score, composed by John Williams, is instantly recognisable and played a major role in creating suspense in the film. 
What two notes are repeated in this oh, motif? For fuck's sake. Take that point away from Vicky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, a and C. No, I know it. Do you? Mm, C and C sharp. E and F. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, you can take the lead here. Great, good. Uh, <laughs> trouble is... The answer's not correct, so... But I uh, might know the real answer. There is no real answer. Right. Ap- apart, from his, apart from his famous book about unmade films, I haven't written one, uh, Chris Tilly contributed to another book about a famous sci-fi franchise. <clears throat> what franchise in it? By the way, I haven't, but what is it? Um, Alien. Unlucky. The answer was Star Wars, <laughs> which hasn't happened. Have you not read it? It's amazing. God, congrats, Chris. I had no idea. It's, re- it's quite weird having this stuff come back to me. Yeah. Because uh, this is what the robots think I am. Yes. Uh, Alex, the character Quint in Jaws was inspired by a real-life shark fisherman. Mm. What was the fisherman's name? Uh, ben Gardner. That's not what ChatGPT's told me. But is it right? <laughs> no, isn't Ben Gardner a character in the film? Oh, his name's Craig Gillespie. No, Frank Mundus. That's <laughs> absolutely not true. Zero. For fuck's sake. Right. No, I'm with you. I don't know now. Vicky, know you can get the big on. steal here. Go on. And this is the least truthful fact about me I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Apart from his work in the film industry, Chris yep. Tilly has showcased his versatility by writing scripts for a famous magician. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Can you name this magician? Yeah, Darren Brown. Oh, no, and it should be Paul that, Daniels. Paul calling. Daniels. No. Oh. Tommy Cooper. Chris Angel. No, younger. Oh, the man on the street. Oh, God. David Blaine. No, no the other, the other, the other one. one. He's northern and he's, yeah. looked, he's cute and like... He did once come in my office, God, so I've met him. Do you know, I'm never going to remember his name, but I can picture his face. Peter. Dynamo. Oh, yeah. All right, so we have a tie-break situation. One more question about me that isn't true. <laughs> in addition to film journalism, what is one of the surprising topics Chris Tilly has written about? Crystal Palace Football Club. No, Crickets. that wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> no. Space travel. Um, <laughs> so, Stack has a podcast on this subject. Uh, uh, England adopting the world Euro. music. Uh, the Groucho. Uh, the Seven Wonders of the World. <laughs> You know your stack. <laughs> uh, women's football. One of our friends uh, hosts... Wrestling! Yeah! Alex oh, wins! That is unfair. Alex wins. Well played, Alex. Thanks very much. That was a really fair quiz. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to take that win. Uh, I, I, take no, I bear no responsibility for that quiz. No, I know. That was the robots. Yeah. There was, uh, I was watching uh, Bloomberg because I couldn't find my TV remote the other day and there was a <laughs> report on it about people planning their future jobs now as in they're picking jobs that they don't think AI will be able to replace oh, sure. in yeah. the future. Sure. Or what you should do really is get to grips with it as quickly as possible because yeah. you'll have a skill that a lot of people will want. Exactly. Mm. You've or just got to incorporate it into what you're doing. Burn the servers. Return us to the prehistoric <laughs> times. Literally. Let's go. Let's Luddite the shit out of this. Okay. I mean, burning the servers, does that take back to prehistoric? Historic dinosaurs. Yes. Oh, okay. Servers turn into dinosaurs. Wow, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but so, listeners, if you, according to ChatGPT, <laughs> if you do want to read one of the multiple scripts I've written for Magician Dynamo, <laughs> do get in touch. Why does it think that? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Um, and your Star Wars book is out when? Uh, 2025. Uh, that is it for this episode. We will be back on Thursday talking Starship Tribes and seeing which film is victorious. Until then, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ClashPod. Till Thursday, have a great week. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.